Hello, this is Gary Hutchins with the Sunny Slope Church of Christ in Omaha, Nebraska. Welcome to our Wednesday night Bible class. We are podcasting a Bible study on Wednesday evenings, posted on Wednesday evenings for all of those who are not able to be with us in person at the Sunny Slope Church of Christ at 6.30 each Wednesday evening. Now, we know that there are people even in our area, in the Omaha, Nebraska area, who are not able to get out, perhaps, or maybe their schedules don't allow them to be with us at 6.30 each Wednesday evening. But we also know that there are people who listen across the country and around the world, literally, through the medium of the internet and by means of these podcasts. They want to be in God's Word. They want to study. They want to learn more about God's will for their lives by studying His Word. And they want to grow in their faith since faith comes by hearing the Word of God, Romans 10 and verse 17, these studies can be really effective to help them in all of these needs and desires. We encourage you, as you're listening, to share these studies with everyone you can through Facebook friends, text messages, other technological means, with your family members, friends, work associates, neighbors, with literally everybody you can. Get as many people as you can into God's Word through these Bible studies that we're podcasting. You may help somebody grow in their faith. You may help somebody come closer to God. You may help somebody become a Christian or grow stronger as a Christian and get to heaven. What a great blessing for them, but it will also be a great blessing for you. So share these studies every time with everybody you can. Also encourage everyone to go to our website at churchofchrist.com, churchofchrist.com. Click on the podcast button and sign up for our podcasting. And when somebody does that, they will automatically receive to their smart device, whether that's their smartphone or computer or whatever they choose, they will automatically receive their uh, this Wednesday night Bible class, Sunday morning Bible class, uh, all of our sermons, and a daily Monday through Friday radio program we call Search the Scriptures. And then they'll also receive a seven-day-a-week short Bible study, only about 13 minutes long each day, but it will keep them in God's Word and thereby help them to stay strong and even grow stronger in their faith. Help them to have a better perspective on life, to be able to deal with life every day with the more spiritual mindset, to help them focus on their relationship with God as well. So encourage everyone you can to do that. Now, all of that, it's free. It always will be free. We're not after people's money. We want to help as many people as we can get to heaven. Now, for those in the Omaha area, we do encourage you to come and worship with us, study God's Word with us, get to know us, let us get to know you, check us out, grow spiritually with us at the Sunny Slope Church of Christ. Our church building is located at 3606 North 108th Street, right here in Omaha. 3606 North 108th Street, right here in Omaha. Bible classes begin on Sunday morning at 9.30, followed by worship at 10.30. Sunday evenings at 6 o'clock, we come back together for another period of worship and Bible study. And on Wednesday evenings, each Wednesday evening at 6.30, we come back together for midweek Bible classes. Good time, middle of the week to get our spiritual batteries recharged. So you're welcome to any and all of our services. We hope that you will come and check us out soon. We're going to get into back into our study from 1 John. 1 John. Now, <clears throat> we've been going through 1 John for quite a while. We have been taking our time looking at the texts of this particular 
five-chapter letter from the Apostle John in depth and in detail. We want to try to get more than just a surface-level understanding of what John writes here. And, and this material, this, these five chapters are so rich and full for our individual spiritual growth, instruction, guidance. We don't want to just gloss over things. We want to try to get as, as deep an, an understanding as possible. And at the same time, excuse me, at the same time, we're trying to explain it all in a way that is easy to understand and makes sense for your everyday life. Now, in chapter 5, we're going to begin with verse 6. I'm going to go back and read the first five verses just for the sake of continuity, and then we'll move into verse 6. So beginning with verse 1 of of 1 John chapter 5, John the Apostle wrote this, and remember now, this is God's Word, because all Scripture is given by inspiration of God. God breathed God's very Word, 2 Timothy chapter 3 at verse 16. And also in that particular text, the Apostle Paul had said that, that it is not just something for us to look at, but he said it is profitable for doctrine, that is for teaching, for reproof, for rebuke, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. So when we're reading the scriptures, that's important for our spiritual growth, development, and strength. And also it enables us, equips us to be able to do what God wants us to do, in our Christian lives. So beginning with verse 1 of 1 John chapter 5, whoever believes that Jesus is the Christ is born of God. Well, again, that, that New Testament saving faith is not just a, an intellectual agreement that I believe in Jesus, but it is a belief that is put into action through obedience. We've talked about that many times. And everyone who loves him who begot also loves him who is begotten of him. And probably the immediate application there is if you love God, then you're going to love Jesus Christ also. If you truly love God the way he wants you to love him, then you're going to love his son, your Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Now, the broader application that we can understand, because John has been making that particular application pretty much throughout the first four chapters, he keeps saying that we need to love our brothers and sisters in Christ. And that's part of keeping God's commandments. That theme he keeps hitting on. And so we can understand that application from a broader perspective here in verse one as well. Verse two, but by this, we know that we love the children of God and we love God and keep his commandments. And see, there it is again, spelled out very clearly, very succinctly and directly. For this is the love of God, that we keep his commandments, and his commandments are not burdensome. And we've talked many times, as well as when we were looking at that particular verse of Scripture, we, last time we've, we've talked many times about how some people, they talk about how they love God. They talk about how much faith they have in God, but they don't live by God's teachings consistently at all, if at all. And so... John here connects again, inseparably connects the love of God, truly having love for God with keeping his commandments, living faithfully and obediently to his teachings. Now in verse four, he goes on, and whatever is born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that has overcome the world, 
our faith. How do we overcome all that the devil throws at us to try to bring us down spiritually, to try to bring, pull us away from God and away from faithful obedience to him? Uh, we stay strong in the faith and not just, again, an intellectual belief and say, oh, I've got such strong faith, but a faith that is put into action through obedience, commitment, dedication on a consistent basis. Verse 5, who is he who overcomes the world, but he who believes that Jesus is the Son of God? Now, again, there is no way, no way to heaven, no way to God except through Jesus Christ. Remember what Jesus said on the night of his betrayal, John 14 and verse 6. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. So all of those religious belief systems that are out there that say they believe in God, but they don't believe in Jesus as the Savior, the Son of God, don't, they, they cannot expect to get to God. They cannot expect to be in heaven with him for all of eternity because only through Jesus can we come to God. Now, let's pick up with verse 6. This is he who came by water and blood, Jesus Christ, not only by water, but by water and blood. And it is the Spirit who bears witness because the Spirit is truth. It's interesting how John puts this, by water and blood. When we go back to John chapter 1, beginning with verse 31, we find John, the cousin of Jesus, the immerser. He is basically confessing Jesus. He sees him. And so he has been preparing the way for the Savior to come into the world, <clears throat> out there teaching, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And God has prepared him for to do this, but he has not yet seen Jesus face to face. But now, uh, in John chapter 1, he sees him. And so he's telling his own followers, those who have been following him through his teachings, this is the Christ. In verse 29, he says, the next day John saw Jesus coming toward him and said, behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. This is he of whom I said, after me comes a man who is preferred before me, for he was before me. And now notice beginning with verse 31 here in John chapter 1. I did not know him, but that he should be revealed to Israel. Therefore, I came baptizing with water. Now, what did John write back in, in 1 John chapter 5 and verse 6? Speaking of Jesus, this is he who came by water and blood. Now, John preparing the way for Jesus to come into the world and begin his ministry as the Savior for those three or three and a half years or so uh, toward the end of his physical life on this earth, he, he came baptizing, baptizing unto repentance. Now, here he says, I did not know him, but that he should be revealed to Israel. Therefore, I came baptizing with water. And John bore witness, saying, I saw the Spirit descending from heaven like a dove, and he remained upon him. And I did not know him, but he who sent me to baptize with water said to me, Upon whom you see the Spirit descending and remaining on him, this is he who baptizes with the Holy Spirit. And I have seen and testified that this is the Son of God. 
Now, I want to look also at John chapter 14 and verse 17. John chapter 14 and verse 17. And here, Jesus, this is the night of his betrayal, and he tells the apostles on that evening, the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him for he dwells with you and will be in you. And then in the 16th chapter, John chapter 16, uh, let me get over there, and we look at, um, we look at verse 13, that same, same context, same setting, the night of his betrayal with the apostles, and in verse 13 of John chapter 16, Jesus tells them, however, when he, the spirit of truth, has come, he will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will tell you things to come. And so think about what John the Immerser, the cousin of Jesus, said back in John chapter 1, and again, verse, verse uh, 33, I did not know him, but he who sent, me to bab- who sent me to baptize with water said to me, upon whom you see the Spirit descending and remaining on him, this is he, speaking of Christ, who baptizes with the Holy Spirit. So Jesus told the apostles specifically that they would receive the Holy Spirit. Now, when you look at Acts chapter Two and the beginning of that particular text of Scripture, the day of Pentecost, in, in Acts chapter 2, you find the Holy Spirit descending upon the apostles and enabling them to speak in the languages of all of those Jewish men who were gathered there for that religious feast day among Judaism, among the Jews, from all nations around heaven. And they were all hearing, not in ecstatic utterances, not in what sounds like gibberish to everybody who listens to it, but in the languages of those nations, of those peoples from all those different nations. And they were there, the text says, from all the nations under the earth or on the earth. And those were, that was the, the known world at that time. And it even lays out those nations, at least many of them, the Parthians and the Medes and the Elamites, the Mesopotamians, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus, Asia, Phrygia, Pamphylia, Egypt, parts of Libya, Cyrene, and, 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 and Arabs and, and Cretans. You know, they all hear. Verse 11 of Acts chapter 2 says, we hear them speaking in our own tongues the wonderful works of God. So the Holy Spirit enabled the apostles to speak in those foreign languages most of whom, most of which they did not know, but they were able to miraculously teach the gospel in those languages. And Peter's words are highlighted in Acts chapter 2, and boy, he, he preached a scathing, convicting gospel sermon. And in verse 37, uh, verse 36, he tells those Jewish men gathered on that day, day of Pentecost, let all the house of Israel know assuredly that God has made this same Jesus, whom you have crucified, both Lord and Christ. And then, when they heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, what shall we do? 
Then Peter said, Repent, and let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. And so a special, a special blessing upon those who are baptized. And baptized how? We're not talking here in Acts chapter 2 and verse 38, as some will, will say that that's baptism of the Holy Spirit. No. He says, you're baptized in the name of Jesus Christ, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Now, that does not mean miraculous powers. That's not, that's not saying they're baptized with the Holy Spirit. That was promised to the apostles. And what Peter is, is, is laying out there is the means through which we can come into Christ because Romans 6 and verse 3 says that we're baptized into Christ. Galatians 3 and verse 27 says we're baptized into, into Christ. And remember that Jesus himself went to his cousin John and was baptized in the water. Now, Jesus was not baptized for the remission of his sins because he was sinless while he lived upon this earth. He always has been sinless. He's God the Son. But he was baptized in water as an act of obedience to God's will. And when Nicodemus came to Jesus at night, as we read in John chapter 3 and verses 3 through 5, Jesus told him, Most assuredly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. And Nicodemus was confused. He, was, he thought Jesus was talking about somehow a man being physically born again. And he said, you know, can a man enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? But Jesus was talking about spiritual rebirth. And so in verse 5, he said, most assuredly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. And so how are we born of water and the Spirit? We're baptized in the waters of baptism, and we receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Again, that's not talking about baptism in the Holy Spirit. It's not talking about being empowered with miraculous gifts, as many of those first century Christians were. It's talking about, we could boil it down, and, and I, I guess and say we're, we're, we received the gift of salvation, the gift of salvation, of eternal life. And also, we receive the indwelling of the Holy Spirit in some way. And there are numerous verses of Scripture in the New Testament that talk about that. Some would say it's an indwelling through the Word and the Word alone. And, and others would say it's, more a, it's, it's, it's a direct indwelling, that God is with us in the Spirit in some way. Well, just so we understand that the Spirit is with us when we become a Christian. And when we're baptized into Christ, buried with him in the waters of baptism, then we receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The Spirit is with us. And the Apostle Paul talks about that presence as being a guarantee of our salvation. But again, that's another study, study for another time. We come back to 1 John chapter 5 and verse 6. This is he who came by water and blood. Jesus Christ, not only by water, but by water and blood. And it is the Spirit who bears witness because the Spirit is truth. Remember what Jesus told the apostles? And John was one of those apostles. 
on that occasion in that upper room, the night of Jesus' betrayal, when the spirit of truth comes to you, he will bear witness of all truth. He's going to teach you. In fact, Jesus said two or three different times in that context, uh, in, in those different chapters there, beginning with chapter 13 and going through 17, he talked about, emphasized how that God was going to spend, uh, going to send, and how he was going to, to send the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, to the apostles to guide them into all truth, to help them remember things that Jesus had taught them along the way, but they, they had forgotten. And so he who, he who, uh, he bears witness because this, you know, the, the Spirit bears witness because the Spirit is truth, the Spirit of truth, God the Spirit, as well as God the Son and God the Father. God the Spirit is part of God, part of God. Now, when Jesus died on that cross, when that Roman soldier came to him, that officer came to him, and he was checking to see if if uh, he needed to break his legs to hasten his death, which he did to the two thieves who were crucified on either side of Jesus to hasten their death. Because if they he broke their legs, they could no longer push up effectively and expand their diaphragm and continue to breathe effectively. And so that would hasten their death. They would suffocate, basically. When he came to Jesus, Jesus' body on the cross, Jesus had already died physically. And probably to make sure, he simply rammed the spear into his side. And the text tells us that blood and water poured forth. Blood and water. Well, and so we see a similar representation here. John saying that Jesus came not only by water, but by water and blood. It is by the blood of Christ that we are cleansed from our sins, the blood that he shed on the cross and in giving his life as that perfect sacrifice to pay the price for our sinfulness. And we, are, we contact the power of that blood he shed on the cross as we're buried with him in the waters of baptism. And that's immersed. It is referred to as a burial in Romans chapter 6 and verses 3 and 4, and a resurrection from that burial in verses 4 and 5 and 6. Interesting and, and very meaningful and also very clear. We move on to verse 7, and John goes on and he says, For there are three that bear witness in heaven, the Father, the Word, Jesus was referred to as the Word in John chapter 1, the first few verses, and the Holy Spirit, and these three are one. God the Father, God the Son, God the Spirit. One God. One God. Difficult again for us to fully wrap our minds around that three in one and yet still one. And, but we're, we're used to physical, finite things that we can see, touch, feel, hear, smell, taste, you know, God is spirit. And so God the Father, God the Son, God the Spirit, but one God, one God. And when we get to heaven, if we're living the faithful Christian life, an obedient Christian life, then we will see the reality of that three-in-one Godhead. And it will make sense to us at that time. 
But now we're used to, well, wait a minute, you're talking about three different, different gods here. No, we're not talking about three different gods. Remember what Moses said in Deuteronomy, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. One God is what we're talking about, but in three persons, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. There are three that bear witness on earth, the Spirit, the water, and the blood, and these three agree as one. Well, again, how do we learn the gospel of Christ? Remember what Paul said in Romans 1 and verse 16, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God to salvation to everyone who believes. Now, how do we learn about the word of God, about the gospel of Christ? Through God's word. How do we, how do we get God's word through the scriptures? And how did those writers whom God chose to write his word in the scriptures, how did they know what to write? Well, when we were studying in Peter's letters, we saw where Peter said that, that God guided the writers through the Holy Spirit to write what they wrote, to write his very word. And so the apostle Paul said in 2 Timothy 3 and verse 16, all scripture is given by inspiration of God, more literally meaning God breathed. All scripture is God's very word. And so the three that bear witness on earth, the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, speaks to us through the Word. The water, as we're baptized into Christ, the blood that is shed on the cross cleanses us at the time that we're buried with Christ in baptism, in the waters of baptism. And these three agree as one. You don't find doctrinal contradictions in, in God's Word. It was written by a whole host of inspired writers over a great many years, hundreds of years, and it was written in different languages. But there is no doctrinal contradiction. Now, if men were making it up on their own, there would be all kinds of doctrinal contradictions, all kinds of contradictions of all kinds, but not in, not in the Bible, not in the Bible. And that is powerful proof that it is truly God's word and that he guided the writers to write exactly what he wanted them to write. Exactly. Now, verse 9, if we receive the witness of men, the witness of God is greater. For this is the witness of God, which he has testified of his son. A whole lot of people are deceived through false teachers, men, women, humankind, who teach something that at the moment might sound pretty reasonable. But when you check it against what the scriptures say, what the Bible teaches, you find out, no, no, they got it wrong in a point or two or maybe altogether. Well, we receive the witness of men. The witness of God is greater. We need to always check what mankind, what some human being teaches us as supposedly being from God against what God's word, the Bible, actually says. If what they say contradicts what the Bible says, then we need to reject what they say. That falls into the realm of their being a false teacher. We're going to stop here, pick up with uh, chapter 10 next time. Let's pray. Father in heaven, thank you for your word to guide us in your truth. 
And Jesus said, we shall know the truth, your truth, and that the truth shall set us free from the guilt and condemnation of our sin. John chapter 8 and verse 32, your truth being your word, John 17 and verse 17. And we are sanctified. We are led to salvation through the teachings of your word, as Peter told us. Father, help us to live by your word, by your teachings, to guide us in all truth, your truth, so that we can have confidence that we are living by your will and that we will be with you for eternity in heaven. Help us to not just read it and believe it and be impressed by it, but help us to obey the truth of your word, Father, in our daily lives. Please forgive us, gracious Father, and we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.